Hash House and Circle Up. Welcome to On On, the Hash House Harrier podcast for interviews, history, and stories. I'm your host, Ra. Guest interviewer, Run to Eat, on location at Pan Africa 2023, interviews longtime hasher, Ratchet. Enjoy. Hello and welcome to the On On Podcast. I am sitting here in beautiful sunny Malawi with wonderful Ratchet. Hi there. Ratchet, where was your mother hash? My mother hash was cartoon hash. And I got introduced by, uh, I think he's called Relic, but I've known him as Colin Cracknell. I was a fanatical rower at the time in 1980. And I got a job in the Sudan. And the first week I was in Khartoum, I ended up in the Sudan club. And at the time, rowers used to wear shorts that uh, now everybody wears. But in those days, if you wore these, people used to think you were gay. They were these sort of very tight black, I don't know what you call them. You know, the tight ones that go down to just above your knee. Oh, yeah. And you'd never see anybody wearing these. Anyway, I was in the sedan club. I was going for a pee, and then somebody else came in, and he said, oh, those are rowing shorts. And he turned out to be a member of the rowing club next door to me, which was Mortlake, Anglin, and Chiswick. And I rode for Thames Tradesman at the time. And I was very pissed off about going to Sudan anyway, because I had a really great social life in rowing. He told me there was a hash a couple of days later on. I went along and I didn't think it'd be much fun. But I remember being dropped off at the end of that evening, throwing up out, out of the cab because I've had far too much to drink. We just spent the whole evening doing rugby songs. It was absolutely fantastic. What was the name of the guy? His hash name? Relic. I think his hash name is Relic. Relic. Because he, he went on to run in Dar es Salaam. But I've always known him as Colin Cracknell. He's actually Pete the pilot's brother. Oh, okay. So he was in Jordan in a man in Jordan, then he came to Khartoum, then he went to Dar es Salaam, and then I think he retired. Okay. Oh, wow. So, but I still bump into him at uh, Henley every year. I know you organized the Henley. I'll get on to that later. Yeah. So tell me about your name. How'd you get your hash name, and when did you get your hash name? There's always this good story behind it. Well, actually, I had another hash name as well, but the I've always had Ratchet. Uh, I think I got Ratchet... I think it was Cambridge that gave me the Ratchet name because there were a couple of Aussies there and I somehow got involved with some Aussies and Ratchet has a different meaning in Australia, as you know. So I got that name, but then some years later I ended up actually running in Tokyo on the Samurai Hash and I was working for a computer company and doing telecoms. So my num- my name there was 1900EP. <laughs> But I've managed to keep the ratchet name. And then some years later, I was telling some friends in Dubai about Chithead and how he complained about his name. And the committee kind of sat down together and came up with a new name for him. It was fucking Chithead. Mm-hmm. So the guys in the creek renamed me fucking Ratchet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. So tell me about some of your favorite hash traditions. I think it's the sing-songs I really like. It's a real shame that some hashes don't really seem to know a lot of songs. I don't mind that they're Americanized or whatever, but I really like to hear some of the old... I like the variety, not because you go to some hashes and they just 
well, the, the creek is what is the worst. It sings one song. The blue all, song. Uh, it's <laughs> banned in Newcastle, and if you sing that song, it's usually for unimaginative. He's a hasher. Uh, however, the creek hash is one of the best hashes I've been on. So, okay. Yeah. But just the song. Well, what are other traditions? I think all traditions are fine. I just love the friendliness of the hash. It's just amazing. I can't thank my luck for having bumped into the hash. And in fact, when I bumped into it in, the, in Khartoum, when I left Khartoum, I didn't think there was a ha any hashing anywhere else in the world. You know, I never used to read, you never read the t-shirts or whatever. But, but then somebody said, oh, there's a hash in London. When I came back to England, I was living in Cambridge. I used to drive down to London every Monday night. It was summer. That became a bit precarious when one day I woke up asleep or driving up the M11. <laughs> when it had only opened. So the road was empty, nobody ever used it. And I was running along the middle, whatever it is, the metal protection thing in the mm -hmm. middle, and I'd scraped along it, and I thought, I'd better stop driving down a London hash. And then I discovered there was a hash in Cambridge, and I'd been going down to London for about three months at that time, and nobody ever reads the notices. I'll tell you how the Cambridge started. So nobody ever reads notices in, in the pub. And uh -huh. one day I was bored to tears. And my local pub in Cambridge happened to be the Fort St George. I lived around the corner. Okay. And I started reading the notice. And there was a sign for the Cambridge Hash. And that's how I ended up running with the Cambridge Hash for three or four years. And they were a fantastic bunch of people. They still are. So still the same people running. Yeah, some of them are. Yeah. And then they got worried about the fact that it was an aging community. So they started the Cantabrigensis to, to attract the students to something young. It was actually Bunter used to own the Radigan mm -hmm. and he started the Cantabrigensis hash really to bring young blood into the hash and then people would come along and run on the Cantabrigensis hash and then eventually think okay there must be other hashes and that's how they actually got young people back onto the other and I know there's lots of military there too. Air Force. Yes, yeah, because there's Milden Hall and Lake and Heath and all that. There were a lot of oil workers at one time, there was Schlumberger there as well. That's CIA used to run in, uh, in Cambridge. Mm -hmm. There you go. Excellent. Okay, we're on a huge event right now. What is the best event you've ever been to? What's memorable and what makes it stick in your mind? Every event is memorable. I remember my first ever away trip was, I think it was either 1984 or 1986, Nashash in the UK. Unfortunately, I got banned from the bar <laughs> for misbehaving, but I can't remember why, but they've all been fantastic. I went to one that was a bit disorganized, but it was still great fun because the prelude and the people, you don't really care about the whatever, but I've actually been to some fantastic, they've all got something about them, even the shittiest place. I remember the boat cruise from Zanzibar up to Mombasa where we stopped in Tanaka or somewhere other in Tanzania. That was the worst bloody hotel I've ever, ever stayed in. But it was still fun because people were all having a great time. I can't think of any event I've not enjoyed. No. What about sizes of events? Some people say that Interhash is too big with Chiang Mai was 6,000. Yeah, yeah. I went to Chiang Mai. And it was too I, much for me. It was too big, but I enjoyed that bar that everybody went to. Do you remember the hash bar? It was the monkey something? Monkey? Uh, monkey puzzle or something. Yeah. I, I, remember, I remember spending most of my time in that pub, and that was the best thing about that thing. The post loop, I went to, down to Thailand, uh, not to Thailand, to Phuket after that. That was pretty nice. 
you were asking what was the most memorable? Yeah. They've all been memorable. Remember the run on the Monday where there was a pickup? Yes. And that was the ice bucket. You know, it was just full of beers. And then I was also on that Mount Monganui one, which was unbelievable. You know, in New Zealand, in Rotorua, where, where the beer turned up in a helicopter. We all got to the top of this hill, there was nothing there. And then eventually we saw this helicopter coming down in the distance with something hanging down underneath. And it was, and it was a huge esky. Yeah. And that got dropped off. That was a fantastic. But it didn't, doesn't need to be that sort of event. My most memorable run was Cartoon Hash on the Blue Nile, where half the trail was actually swimming in the Blue Nile. And if you go up the Blue Nile just outside Khartoum, there's loads of sandbanks. Okay. And the trail was between these sandbanks. But some of these sandbanks were quite a distance. So the hare had marked the trail by suspending cardboard boxes with blobs of flour in the cardboard box with a spring and a stone underneath. Oh, that's amazing. So, yeah, so we had to swim between these uh, blobs of flour in the river, which was fantastic. So the next one you're going to love, and I want as much detail. So there are things that happen on the hash that people will just say is insane. It only happens on the hash. What is the weirdest thing that's ever happened? Wow, that's, that's a very difficult problem because everything is weird. <laughs> I suppose my memorable and weird words. So, okay, so I went to the San Diego, America's in the hash in 18. Seven or 89 or whatever and that was a, a real blast but there were a lot of things nice about that I went with a guy called Boy from Brazil and he looked completely underage even though he had a beard so I'd be going out for on the hash with him on the Friday night and they told you to take quarters and it was because the run on the Friday night went through the red light district and we went to all these peep shows. So you needed the quarters to run into the peeps because the trail went into these peep shows and you had the quarters to put into these things that the shutter went up and you'd watch the peep show for a bit and then you'd have to put more money in it. You were trying to avoid touching the walls. Oh and then, but that was a bit boys from Brazil. They wouldn't let me in half the bars because he was underage. But the funny thing about that event was we were all staying in this very fancy five-star hotel We'd all checked in on the Friday afternoon. Within an hour of the hash being there, they banned us from the pool and shut the pool because people were getting so pissed and breaking glasses and stuff. It was a more of a safe thing. Anyway, that weekend, I'll get to what was amazing about that weekend, but the Friday night also ended up down on the Coronado with free margarita bars. So everybody was drinking all these Cadillac margaritas or whatever they are. After the first run we did, I'd never seen beer trucks with taps on the side. So the whole park had been cordoned off so that the people couldn't see it because it was in a sort of a suburb. But the beer was these huge trucks with just taps on the side and everybody to walk up and serve themselves. Oh, wow. That was amazing. Oh, wow. Yeah, that was... What was the question? <laughs> the most... <laughs> Am amazing thing oh, that's that, only that, happened that. on the hash. Something that's memorable that... Do you have any others um, that were a little bit insane or...? Well, no, no not really. Not really. The, the sort of red dress and how that, that has kind of blown out of proportion. It's still great fun, but I like the fact that now there's a green dress run and there's a yellow dress run. So the green dress run that was in Maputo 
for the Pan-Africa Hessian in Maputo, Mozambique, which is funny to remember when that was some time ago. <laughs> and then in Goa, there was the Yellow Dress run just before the, the first Goa in Dash. Those, those are amazing things. The problem is, you're, you go to these hash events and there's so much going on fantastic. You can't remember it all. I have a terrible memory anyway. I can't remember anything amazing. Have you ever oh, been? Oh, hang on. Uh, my, uh, sorry, my second international trip was, we went to the Paris 100th. The, the Cambridge hash chartered the plane. Oh, this, okay, this is a good story. We chartered the plane from some airport called Lid. Okay. And I can't even remember where we flew to in Paris, but it was some shitty old plane with canvas seats, yeah? So, the canvas seats, some sort of old war plane or whatever. And then there were the stewardesses on the flight, but the hash had its own set of stewardesses and all the drinks were free, so oh, we were wow. completely shit-faced on this plane. So, who was it I was went to? I went with John, I can't remember what John's hash name was, but it was great because he had a, a beautiful old vintage something other 3000 and we drove down to Lid and then we went over to Paris and that Paris 100th was fantastic because it was all in the Winter Palace or something or the Winter Theatre and the US Marines were sorting it out and they bought all this beer on sale or return basis. They didn't have to pay for it until the end of the thing so everybody was helping themselves to crates of beer. I think everybody walked home with a crate of beer at the end of the evening. It was a really good have you ever been injured on trail? No, I have in Henley. I go to Henley every year and I normally take Ure Henry and uh, Robocop. Ure Henry now lives in Henley and I normally crash with him. Thanks Henry for letting me stay there. And uh, I remember going to the chip shop after a, a particularly heavy Friday night and falling off the steps from the chip shop and it took me three months to recover from that. Now it brings me great into the next question. Tell me about Hure Henry and the wonderful Henry hash, because most people on this do not know about the Henry hash. So Hure Henry, I think got his name because, I'm not sure why he got his name, but uh, he was very posh anyway. <laughs> and now he lives in Henley. Is he the one that whose boat I went on? Who's? Yeah. Whose boat at the Henley Hash? Yeah, so he moved to Henley maybe 20 years ago. Hooray Henley Hash started because I used to do a lot of rowing and I had a lot of involvement in rowing. And then one year London Hash was looking for something to do or someone I suggested let's go up to Henley. And I think there was a UK Nash Hash that was in Binfield Heath organised by uh, Berkshire Hash. We organised a double-decker bus. I remember it was Banker and IBM, I think. Probably Henry as well. And we organised this, and the first one was in 1987, and we've been doing a hash. I don't think we've missed a year, but we worry about this year, because I haven't even thought about it yet. But the guy who's helped me a lot in the last few years has been Lonely, who's Ben, ben Ralston. But I think he's fed up of doing it now. But anyway, the whole idea was, the reason I wanted to do it was I was going to be in Henley anyway, because I never miss a Henley. I, the only year I missed Henley was the year I went to San Diego in the 80s. I should know because it's the one badge I've got missing. So we started this and we get gatherings. Sometimes we have camping weekends where we had a relationship with the local football club that let us camp on the football ground. 
or other times it's just the day out when everybody comes along and dresses up. A lot of the people that turn up don't even know that there's that big regatta on. It's 150,000 spectators, and what more would you want than a, hundred, a mile and a half of bars and <coughs> food outlets right on the river and everybody togged up and everybody pissed. So it's the ideal recipe for ash. You know. It is amazing hash. I remember yeah. the times I went. And one of the best trails I've ever laid there is actually one that ran through Lady Astor's country home. If you look down the Henley Trail, right down to the start, up on the hillside is this beautiful Georgian house, and it used to belong to Lady Astor. Now it belongs to this Swiss gnome who gave, donated it as a wedding gift to his daughter. Can't be bad because it only cost thirty-five million. I love the fact that the Henley Hash takes place every year. It's always a bit of a struggle to get people to help, but sometimes it's a full-blown buffet afterwards. But it always sort of works itself out. That's the nature of the hash, you know. Mm. People always uh, sort it out. Nice. Have you ever had any, like, white powder incidents or getting in trouble with the police with the hash or anything like that? Only once in Malaysia, driving back from the Petaling Hash, I was a bit pissed and I got stopped by the police. And he just wanted some bakshish, gave me the bakshish and that was it, the end of the trouble, so I had no problem. I've never, I can't remember ever having <laughs> been arrested. I don't think I've ever been arrested. No. Been, did the hash ever get in trouble in a thing that you were with, wherever? No, no, because I've been lucky. I, whenever something has happened, I've had people like Robocop around who was a sergeant at that address. Oh, hang on. It just reminded me of my mother hash, actually before I left Khartoum, I had an old Land Rover there and one of my friends there, I was dropping people off after a hash evening and I hopped out to let people out the back and this guy who was completely legless happened to be sitting in the middle seat in the Land Rover at the front, you know, it's just three seats. And he hopped into the driving seat and ended up driving. It wasn't, the, actually it wasn't the hash, it was a hash related party. And ended up driving away and about half a mile down the road, he rolled the Land Rover. I don't know if you, are, you know what Land Rovers are like. They're made of aluminium and there's no real frame. So these things just crumple up. And thank God nobody got hurt badly. But that's the only incident I had. And then it was trying to explain that the car had been stolen while I was outside work. Yeah, but it was a bit difficult explaining how there were people injured. <laughs> I can't remember how we got round it, but I'm sure somebody with a more, more sane would remember. Do you have any hash mentors or some amazing hashers that you've met on your various travels? I'm very lucky to have met people like Raynor, Chibai, Tim Hughes, John Duncan. I also ran in Baltimore. I was there, my brother studied at Johns Hopkins and I happened to be in Baltimore, so I was able to do the New Year's Day Annapolis hash. Okay. And what's it, who's the guy who's the historian? John, like the guy who does the hash genealogy. It will come to me. Yeah, anyway, he used to work for the World Bank in the US. And I, I didn't really realize it was a tradition and he'd bring oysters along to the run afterwards. So I remember after running through these bogs just outside Annapolis, ending up on this shitty car park somewhere and all having oysters and champagne on New Year's Day. Those are the sorts of memories. And then the other thing is I lived in the States a lot. So 
some of their rules are weird, but they're all good-hearted fun, you know. So when you get to these checks, there's all sorts of arrows on them and times written, and that's kind of overcomplicating the thing. But thanks, thank, thanks to the US, the hash has grown. You know, we're working for the huge numbers of people that hash in the US. I don't think a lot of the hashes around the world would survive, and that's what keeps it going. Okay. Yeah. Maybe you don't think so, but uh, it's different there. It's different, but most of them are really good people. How many countries have you hashed in? Do you know? Should I say what more than that's uh, a country? Yes. <laughs> no, I, I actually I used to count how many hashes, different hashes I've done, and it nearly related to countries. But I don't think I've done more than sort of sixty different countries. I started counting the hashes when I was running with the samurai in Tokyo and what's his name, curator turned up and said, oh, this is my 100th hash. So I totted up and I found I'd done more than 100 at the time anyway. Is, is curator still around? Yes, he is. Oh, right, I okay. did an interview with him. Oh, right, okay. okay. So that's when I started checking what hashes I'd done but before that. And I'm very lucky. When I started hashing, I used to... I was working for a computer company and I'd take the jobs nobody else wanted because they'd all say, what, go to blah, 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 there's no football there. Uh, so my attitude was, is there a hash? Okay, I'm going. <laughs> I didn't care where it was, I'd go. So that's how I ended up traveling. That's amazing. What's your view on like single sex hashes and mixed sex hashes? Some people have now, I think, strong I think, opinions. That, I think they're good. I mean, I belong to the creek and that's sing, single sex hash. And it, it's nice, you get a different sort of, they're not anti the, yeah. the women at all, it's just a different sort of atmosphere. You kind of feel relaxed, it's not all this sort of, oh, I don't want to get some story back out. I remember somebody turning up on the creek hash, who didn't know the etiquette or protocol of whatever you say on the creek hash. There's no guarantee that it's going to get out, but somebody blurted out what he'd said on the creek hash. And he never turned up again on either hash. I think because his wife ran on the other one. But uh, luckily, I can't remember his name. I do remember his name, and I can say his name. But uh, I think they're good. There's, there's always a reason for it. I mean, Dubai, Dubai has a, uh, a men's hash, and it's also got a very active women's hash. In fact, the the women love it because they don't run every week there, but they run once a month, and they have mainly champagne nights or whatever. I don't think they actually run at all. They just turn up for drinks which is the way hash should just be. There's a lot of them, but they're okay. They're, and some are men only because of their situation, like some of the army ones in Cyprus. Uh, is it a biscuit bees and men only one? There's one there that I ran on that, that is men only. You know, they've they, they all got their reasons for being there, you know. Yeah. They're good. Can you remember your first trail you ever set? I can, actually, and I can remember who my co-hair was. I have no idea where he is. It was with a guy called David Oliver, and we ran in Khartoum in the Green Belt. And the Green Belt basically is a natural sewage treatment plant. So basically, outside Khartoum, now it's actually in the outer suburbs of Khartoum, but around the south of Khartoum, there's this whole Green Belt of eucalyptus trees and the way they irrigated these eucalyptus trees were all these trenches and they pump all the sewage into these trenches 
and I laid my trail through that. And hopefully, he didn't step into the, any of the trenches. It was literally a shitty trail. Yeah, it was real shit as well. However, the advantage of that was so I was in Khartoum when they banned alcohol. So they banned it because basically the country was in a terrible economic state. And the government decided, okay, we'll take the people's minds off this by turning this place into a religious, mixing religion with government. <clears throat> so when they banned alcohol, the troops were ordered to destroy all the alcohol in their off licenses. So they were taking all this alcohol out to these very remote places along the river and destroying all the stock from various, um, oh my God. various places. So these soldiers had no clue as to how much this alcohol cost. So I came across these guys. I ended up filling the whole of my Land Rover with crates and crates of beer. And I paid the, for about 14 crates of beer. I'd only paid the price of two crates. I was really chuffed. And it was all good stuff. It was all Becks and stuff like that. Oh, wow. But 14 crates of beer was good for me for a while. It saw me through the, I think at that point I had four or five months left in the Sudan. And my mother pulled me out of there because she knew I was going hashing it. Yeah, that now brings me on to another story. I'll tell you in a minute. But uh, I had friends who bought garage fulls of Remy Mata. And the Sudanese drink Remy Mata on the rocks. So I've been forever being invited on a Thursday night or Friday night to parties where uh, during the alcohol, whatever, freeze, where we spend an evening drinking Remy Mata on the rocks. And then I'll just say this story about my mother and father. So I was living somewhere abroad and my mother and father were walking somewhere in the fens in, to Southside Cambridge. And these runners came along and my mother stopped them and said, oh, are you in the Hampshire House areas? They said, yes. And said, oh, do you know Rashid? Whoever it was, it was. And said, what, well, that, that drunken bastard. And I'm not realizing they're talking to my parents. So, yeah. oh my anyway, it was, I thought it was very funny. Do your parents hash? No, they never hashed. That, unfortunately, they passed away, but I was very, very lucky with my parents. I've had hashes from my parents' house in the Sudan. In fact, one uh, really early on, we had a raft race, a house organised a raft race across the Blue Nile. My parents' house is actually on the Nile, not the blue or the white, the, the Nile. The blue and the white Nile meeting cartoon. You don't swim in the white Nile because it's full of Bilharcia, like this lake. No, you want to come uh, But the Blue Nile's fine. Okay. No, they didn't they never hash. I, I've taken my brother hashing and I've introduced a lot of people to hash, but, uh, but honestly, the friends I've made through hash are just incredible. What's the best country? Do you have one that you've ever hashed in? No. No. Because every country's got something good about it. Look at this. So we would have thought, this country's amazing. Beautiful. Even, even Saudi. Was, was fun for hashing, especially when they used to have three hashes at the Sullivan year, and I can't remember the, what the... There were three over two days uh, a long time ago. Uh, but best country for hashing, sorry, was that the question? Mm -hmm. uh, or the best country you've been hashing? I don't know. I, I enjoy hashing in the States, but obviously the, the Far East is the best. It's far better than... Uh, the, the Middle East, I'm amazed how they manage well and Dubai is a great hash center. I spent a year and a half running with the Bosman hash and they were a fantastic hash. Really great with Skibovit. I can't remember the guy who used to have the beans, I can't remember his name. 
that was the first time I ever saw yeah, the, the, with the beanies, but they were a fantastic crowd. Got ruined my time in, in Boston, but not really, but I think the, the hash used to be on a Sunday, and you do the hash and then you come back into Cambridge, and you'd end up in the Plow and Stars, <coughs> and you think, well, I'll go for one drink, and you'd be in there at two o'clock in the morning, you're supposed to be at work at nine the next morning. <laughs> Has your attitude towards hashing changed over the years? Not really. I wish I could do more. At the moment I do a lot of travelling and it's difficult for hashing. So I actually do far less hashing than I used to. So when I go somewhere and I plan it, I, I make a point to try and get to the hash. But a lot of the time I'm travelling places and I might be flying out the day of the hash or you know, and, or I've got work to do on the day of the hash, I can't do it. The one I try and make a point of hashing with is the Creek hash, mainly because it's easy. And uh, I'd like to catch up with Cambridge hash sometime again. What would you tell the, like, the future generation hashers that have just started and things like that? I don't know whether you can say, I think it's just enjoy your life. Doesn't matter whether it's hashing or anything else enjoy your life you know you don't know how it's going to change and if you don't try different things you're never going to know what's going to happen i mean look at this i mean who would have known this you get people looking at you uh, and thinking what in that case they don't know what they're missing you really i mean there's things i haven't tried you know that maybe there are a wildlife like golfing i'm going to do that when i get really old for any of you golfers out there <laughs> but, you know. What would you tell your younger self about passion? Any advice you would give? I should have done this, or I should have gone there, or? No, I think I did. No, the best thing about hashing is the friends you have. Mm. I mean, here, I'm known Gigolo. I worked in Warsaw in 19... I can't even remember when I worked there. 1991. Uh -huh. You know? And there, there he is here, you know, and there's no other sport. Well, rowing's a bit like this, by the way. I know every, I know virtually everybody I ever rowed with okay. and where they are, but hashing's another sport just like that, and you really need sports. Whereas rugby, you don't, unless you've been playing at the same club all the time, because if you move from club to club, you never know where. The crowd is quite a big crowd, but sports like this are fantastic. And, I mean, the other day I went out for a drink with Sleazy and a whole bunch of people in London. And these were people I've known 40 years, yeah? Nice. It's just incredible. Nice. And I've been very lucky to know people like Prince, yeah. Bubbles, uh, Periodical, he Hooray Henry, Robocop. What's next for you? Which event? Which country? Uh, well, I'm going to go, I'm going to try and go to the Warsaw 40th year. Did, uh, Gigolo say, and then I'm trying to get onto the Indo Mekong Indo China. I understand it's full, but I still I understand there's still a chance to get on it, so I shall sort that out tomorrow. Now, I'm not sure. Internationals are great, but I actually prefer the smaller ones, so I'm going to just focus. Maybe do three small ones every year. And I met Ra on the Cairo hash. <laughs> Uh, not, not when, when in the good days when they used to have the beer wagon that came out. You know. uh, uh, oh, and the story about that is, so I turned up on that and I needed a lift back into town. And then, so Wes didn't know, Wes hadn't seen me before, Wes didn't know who I was and he worked in the US Embassy. 
and he says, oh, put your bag in, in the back, and then I'm sort of wandering around, and I notice he's checking my bag, and he's obviously checking if there was any IEDs there, because there's a guy with an Arabic name getting into a van that's bomb-proof or bulletproof, so he obviously didn't want that to go off. Yeah. No, I don't blame him, Wes is a good guy. So. Any other wonderful stories? Many, but I have a memory of a sieve. I think I've got early dementia. <laughs> I can't remember such so yeah. Or anything you want to add? No. Something that's... Take up hashing is the best bloody thing that will ever happen to you. Do you have anything that if it wasn't for the hash, you wouldn't have gone, wouldn't have experienced? I think running through the jungle. When, who would ever think of running through the jungle? I, I just remember... So I took a job in... Kuala Lumpur just because I wanted to go and run with a hash. So I was running with Boston and then this job came up in Kuala Lumpur and they had all sorts of problems getting people in the UK to go and work there. I thought, well, I'll, I'll be there on the next plane. So I took that just because of the hash. So lots of, that's happened to me a lot. So I remember I took a job in Jordan because I knew there was a hash there as well. So most, most countries in the world that I've hashed in, I've actually been there luck in the early days where I used to gear it around work that I would make sure I was in that country for the hash and my dates for travel would be just oh sorry I can't do that night, you know, mm. geared around going to the hash, but now it's too difficult to do that. Are there I, any bucket list countries that you want to go to or places that you just want to say I've hashed? I wish I'd gone to, I'd been to Borobudur, I wish I'd gone to that Borobudur hash, yeah, into hash, that sounded fantastic, and the Fiji one. Mm -hmm. uh, I Fiji think the, good. yeah, it was the good, I was a bit tied up in those times, but ah, I'm not sure what would be on the bucket list. I was actually asking Atsugashi where he thought was the best place, and he was talking about Stuttgart, I thought, fuck that. <laughs> I think it'll be Bangkok. I'd like to spend some time I'm not sure. I'd like to spend maybe three months in Phuket, just hit all those hashes around there. I used to know, what's his name, Lou Silverman, and there was another guy called, Bald, not Bald Eagle, he has a bakery in Phuket. I, I knew them years ago before they went out there, and then Joe Chink, who was song master of the hash, they used to get him to sing the songs because he sang it in Chinese accent, but that was the funniest bit. <laughs> Do you have any favourite songs? Hang on, I do, I do actually, but I've forgotten the words. I mean, it instantly forgotten it. Hang on, it was the, the once was a gay cavalier, that was the one. Can uh, you sing it? Uh, uh, the once was a gay cavalier, an exceedingly gay cavalier, who christened his dick, Maraldo Marie, Maraldo, Maraldo Mario. He went down to a gay center, uh, went down to a gay cafeteria, an exceedingly gay cafeteria, and with him he took Maraldo Marie, Maraldo, Maraldo Mario. Met there a gay senorita, an exceedingly gay senorita. Uh, asked him to see Meraldo Marie, Meraldo, Meraldo Mario. He called her deadly disease, an exceedingly deadly disease. The black and the head of Meraldo Marie, Meraldo, Meraldo Mario. He went to see an eminent physician, an exceedingly eminent physician, that chopped off the head of Meraldo Marie, Meraldo, Meraldo Mario. And now he sits on the edge of the Danubio, the exceedingly beautiful Danubio, and fumbles the stump of Meraldo Marie, Meraldo, Meraldo Mario. Boom, boom. There we go. Oh, that's wonderful. Thank you so much, Ratchet, for spending your time. That was the On On podcast. Thank you very much. Thank you very much.